we are continuing in our sermon series, Acts in Jerusalem. And again, why, why are we wording it this way? I want you to look closely at the map. What is your Jerusalem? What do you see in the map? Good, right away. Someone noticed right away. Fargo-Moorhead. What is your Jerusalem? It's Fargo-Moorhead. And uh, just a reminder, as we go through the sermon series, why it's so important is because uh, atonement in the 21st century in Fargo-Moorhead has more in common with the early church in Jerusalem in the 1st century than it does with atonement Lutheran church in the 20th century. So just think about that, because many of you remember what atonement was like. You remember this space in the 1990s. You actually have more in common with the first century church today than you do with atonement in 1990, 1999. That speaks to what God is doing in our midst. So we can open up scripture, and it speaks to us in a new way. God is, is doing a new thing that is the, the same thing. As strange as that may sound, the thing that God is doing from Pentecost going forward is happening today. So in uh, the uh, Acts of the Apostles, we are talking about today what's called the bold prayer. And I'm going to put it on the screen for you in advance. This prayer, your staff has been praying all week. If you pass Pastor Becky's uh, door, it's on the wall. It says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Why did the um, early church, why did the believers pray this prayer? Just a little bit of context. Last week, Pastor Mark, in preaching, talked about the man who was um, um, lame and had been sitting outside of the gate called Beautiful, outside of the temple, and who comes up to him but Peter and John, and he's begging for, for money, and they say to him, we don't have any money for you, but what we do have, I give to you, Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Now this man is miraculously healed. Signs and wonders are happening in the presence of, of the people. They're praising God. This man is leaping for joy. And it ends up getting Peter and John arrested by the religious authorities, like the church council. And they basically tell them, look, stop saying that you're doing these amazing God-moving uh, things in the name of Jesus because we don't like it. They come back to the disciples, they come back to the other believers, and as a group, they pray this prayer. And the key word that I want you to emphasize on is the word boldness. What does it mean to be bold? Well, maybe you're like me, maybe you're not. I, I, I think a, a lot in terms of movies and television, whenever I hear certain things, and when I hear the word bold, I think of this. Space. I knew it. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. I saw that some of you figured out what this was after the first note. Hear that first note. This is from the original uh, Star Trek series. 
And it made the word boldly famous, uh, partly because they misuse it. For any of you English nerds out there, uh, they put the adverb before the verb. You don't, you're not supposed to do that. Um, but the word bold becomes associated with traveling into the unknown, right? Well, what does boldness mean? If you look it up in the dictionary, boldness means a brave and confident way of behaving that shows no fear. Isn't that a great thing? To be brave? Um, The reason for boldness is because there's a lot in the world that we are afraid of. You know, a lot of what uh, life is like is full of trials and temptations and hardships. You know, uh, you can't have um, bravery, you can't be bold if you don't have challenges. Uh, I said in the previous service, the thing about it is, and, and I've said this to you before too, Superman is not brave. Do you want to know why Superman isn't brave? Because Superman is indestructible. He's impervious to bullets, right? He's not brave. Batman is brave. Because uh, Batman um, is not impervious to bullets. He's not impervious to hardship. And neither are you. And so boldness is about acting in a way where you show no fear in the midst of of scary things. And make no mistake, um, this week is about being bold. In not just words, but in actions. This is something that we've been uh, uh, praying about and building to for 10 years and really pushing over the last several months to get us to where we are today. The time is now, and God is doing something in our Jerusalem, in the Fargo-Moorhead area, through Feed My Starving Children. Um, If you packed yesterday, and uh, you're here today, and you're feeling sore and beaten up, you've experienced hardship after being bold in the midst of being bold. And so I encourage you, if you just need to rest and restore yourself, go ahead and fall asleep. We'll wake you up when we're done. You can watch this later, okay? Because we want you to be rested and strengthened so that you can be bold all week long. That you can be bold in in your deeds as well as in your words. Because make no mistake, when you come here to worship on Sunday morning, you are giving a witness to the rest of the world about what really matters to you. And when you go up to the Fargo Dome to pack, because people are really looking at the Fargo Dome right now, not a lot less looking at atonement. When you go in your pack, you are, you are bearing witness to who your Lord and Savior is and what really matters to you. The word boldness in the Greek is Parasia. And that word actually had um, meaning as a mode of speech within philosophical circles in ancient Greek. It meant speech that is direct, truthful, and risks negative consequences. In other words, it's frank speech. It's honest speech. It's calling a thing what it is. And the danger with that is that just like uh, Peter and Paul, the world does not like frank speech. Because there are dangers out there. When you um, point to who your Savior is, there's going to be adversaries to that. And that's what um, 
the disciples experienced early on. For no other reason than standing for Jesus, they discovered who the adversaries are. The adversaries are much more than the hardships of this life. Our true adversaries are spiritual adversaries. Our enemies are not of this world. Our enemies are sin, death, and the devil. And when you live in a truthful way and act in a bold way for what is true, you're going to see the hardship of that. Such as, when you say Jesus is your Lord, that is frank and direct. And I'm going to say something that is frank and direct to you. Jesus is the Lord. And he has called us here and given us purpose and a ministry to express in word and deed love for God and love for people. And there is no greater line drawn in the sand against the spiritual forces of sin, death, and the devil than by giving of yourself in order to feed those who have no food. Just think about what it is we're standing for and what we're standing against through Feed My Starving Children. We're standing against sin. Sin is that human uh, response to the hardships of this world to have a mindset of scarcity, to want to take rather than to give. And when we're packing, you are giving whole hog. We're standing against the power of death because what will inevitably bring death is hunger and starvation. And when we can feed children around the world, we're standing against the power of death and saying, not today, not on my watch, because I stand with the one who hates you even more than I do. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. Where he goes, I will go also. And we stand against the power of the devil who would seek to have us be filled with fear And to think that there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing we can do against these big problems. And yet here we are, in Fargo-Moorhead of all places, taking on the big problems with our partners Feed My Starving Children. That's what this week is about. That's what you are doing. You are drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm going to stand with Jesus. And I'm going to love God and love my neighbor in word and in action. Parasia then means to express yourself candidly and honestly, avoiding the use of manipulation, rhetoric, or generalizations. This language is the language of politicians, right? Uh, The Republicans and the Democrats trying to persuade you in order to, to gain your vote so that you will elect them into positions of power. Parasia, as we understand this, being bold, bold speech in word and in deed, acting in a way that is truthful, is about calling a thing what it is. And like I said, what do we confess here? What is it that we believe? What is our witness? That Jesus is Lord and that we are free to love God and love people because his kingdom has begun now in this place through faith and someday it will be revealed completely through sight. This is what is being expressed in the bold prayer that the apostles passed down to us. Here's what the verses say. It says, And when they heard it, the the healing and the arrest of Peter and John, that there is adversaries out there that have a problem with the good news of Jesus Christ, they lifted their voices together. This is prayer. This is what we just did together, intercessory prayer as a group that Pastor Mark led us in. They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, 
who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, by the Holy Spirit. Here, we, uh, they're pointing out that God's word has already said what is happening in their time and space. The gospel has broken out. The Holy Spirit has been given to God's people. And the adversaries of the world, those hidden adversaries, sin, death, and the devil, are revealed by the offense at the gospel. The good news that God has come to do an end to sin, death, and the devil, to free the slaves, to bring an end to suffering and hardship, and to usher in God's kingdom where there is what remains faith, hope, and love. That David, in uh, his writings in the Old Testament, that it was Holy Spirit-led. This is a way of speaking about the authority of Scripture. How do we know that the Bible is truthful and we can rely it on today? How can we know that we can look to Acts and that God is speaking to us today through these verses? Because they are written by the authority and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. David is associated with the Psalms. That's known as as basically David's book or or David's Scriptures. And this uh, Scripture specifically that they're now going to share is from Psalm chapter 2. It says, Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. Basically, who's against the gospel? Everyone and everything that is against God. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your background is. All of the things of this world, spiritual and physical, that is not of God is against Jesus is against uh, God's anointed. Because that is where God has chosen to be revealed. And in revealing himself and through his people, the adversaries are revealed as well. They said, And for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Psalm 2 is known as the um, uh, liturgical psalm for the anointing of kings. And I encourage you after the service is done, after you've woken up from your nap, to read it. Because in the reading of it, you will see that it's talking about Jesus. Um, To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Um, Whenever you see the word predestined in the Bible, it's not a word to be scared of. Some people get scared about where, when it talks about predestination in the Bible. They're like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not a puppet on a string. God's not pulling my strings. This word is, is to be a word of hope and a word of comfort for you. Because this is how God's predestination works. God uh, has um, a plan of salvation that will be carried out, that will come to fruition. And within that plan, it includes the choices that you make. See, you choose to do things that are within your authority. You choose to go and pack. You choose to give uh, a gift to help pay the grocery bill for Feed My Starving Children. Those are your choices. You're not made to do them. But in the doing them, God uses the choices that we make to carry out his plan of salvation for whom and when to do that. So it's no, it's no coincidence that God is acting in miraculous ways in our midst at this time, at this place. Even though we had a hand in preparing for it, God is working in the midst of it to, to save lives and to save people. And you're a part of that. 
And this word is meant to be a word of hope because it's to remind us in the hard times, in the face of, of threats and turmoil, that, um, that God is greater than those things that scare us, than those uh, trials and temptations. Now, this is the prayer that we've been praying all week, and I encourage you to be praying it as well. It's from Acts 4, 29 and 30. It was what I showed you at the beginning. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. What are the threats? It's the doubts. It's the fears that we're not going to have enough. It's the fears that we're not going to reach 10 million meals, that we're not going to have enough people. These are very real fears and threats, and they're lies of the devil. Because they're meant to take us away from trusting in God, in God's hand in these things, and to rely only on our own strength. And if the devil can do that, then he's got us. But can God not do amazing things in our midst? Of course he can. Of course he can. We are going to see, and I can tell you from my own experience, I've already seen miraculous God moments happening that will give you goosebumps at the pack in the Fargo Dome. I was there yesterday, and uh, we packed 400 and something thousand meals in two hours, and to hear about what was happening during that time was amazing. I've been to a lot of bison football games, okay? And it's really cool when the bison come out and they play the ACDC music and the whole place shakes. When we were packing those 450-odd thousand meals, the entire Fargo Dome was shaking with the power of God through his people as they were packing their meal. And there was a spirit of joy and, and, and celebration, even though it was hard work. By the time you're done, you're all sore and beaten up. I can tell you that I, just myself, last night, uh, in the last, last um, uh, pack, I, I, was, I, I got to go and for a couple of hours put uh, labels on bags. And I personally did about three million We're going to pack them all. We're going to pack them all. I, I actually joke that, you know what we should do tomorrow for church? Because everyone's going to be sleeping anyway because we want them to rest and recharge and then go and, and pack some more to go boldly to do the next thing. Um, I said, you know what? I could bring all these bags and stickers and I'll just hand them out and they can start putting stickers on bags and I'll just say, you know, I'll start preaching and when you're done, I'll be done. <laughs> but I forgot the bag, so we're, now we're on the Holy Spirit time. The threats want you to be scared and to tell you that all there is is scarcity, but God is a God of abundance in our midst through you and through what you're doing. He will give you the strength to keep packing. He will deliver the food so that it gets to where it needs to go. He will deliver the means by which the groceries will be covered. And he will put together the distributors who will deliver it to those around the world who need it. And we're going to feed... Over 27,000 kids for a whole year. You, you, you want to, you, uh, you know, bite your thumb at death? That's how you do it. You want to turn your back on sin? That's how you do it. You want to proclaim Jesus as Lord and the devil has no say in this place? This is how we do it. 
Because we are loving God and loving people and proclaiming to the world, Jesus is Lord and they are going to see it because of what you are doing. That is the boldness by which we speak the word of God. And what's God going to do while we trust in him faithfully and boldly point to him through word and deed? He will stretch out his hand to heal. God heals today. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen miraculous healing, and I've seen healing by God delivering the right people, like doctors and caregivers. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Whenever um, it says signs and wonders, what this is announcing is that the end times have already come. From the moment that the Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost, the last days have begun. This time of the Holy Spirit, this time of of gathering people together through the announcement of the gospel, through bold witness and bold living, pointing to Jesus in the midst of all the scarcity of the lies of the devil. Signs and wonders are being revealed and happening. You're going to see those the next 10 days at the Fargo Dome. And part of the reason is, is because we are boldly trusting God and we are looking for them. And when you look for the Holy Spirit to work, he begins to work. All of this is performed because of the Holy Servant, Jesus. This is why we can do any of this stuff. This word is an interesting word. It's why I want to lift it up to you. Often the word servant in the Bible means, is the Greek word doulos. It means slave or like bondservant. It means you belong to someone else. But this word is the word paidos. That word is the word for child. Because we are doing everything in the name of the Holy Child, Jesus the servant of God, the child of God. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit is not a gift that comes once upon a time. All of you in your baptism are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not a personal possession. It is a gift from God. It's a heavenly gift. Uh, He is a heavenly gift. And you can ask for the Holy Spirit again and again and again and again. And so this day, we are going to pray again to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing, so that bold actions and bold speech would pour out of us as a witness to the rest of the world in all boldness. So I bring to you the promise that is the announcement of the gospel for you, that Jesus is Lord. See, he died on the cross for your sake. He is the Son of God, and He is risen. And because He is risen, all of your sins are forgiven in His name. Jesus Christ is the Lord. We are bold in that witness. It's time to be bold in that witness. So please pray with me to receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and we ask, Lord, that you would make us bold in word and in action, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, and that we would be brave in the midst of all the fears of this world, because you are overcoming this world. Uh, Fill us with faith to see your wonders, to see your signs, uh, and to be a part of those things in the days to come, where we can, in... um, Throughout this week, see what you are doing in the midst of our Jerusalem, Fargo-Moorhead, and how you are going to spread the gospel like wildfire through your Holy Spirit, through the efforts of your people here that begins here and will expand across the world. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with strength to go and boldly point to you. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.